Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Dustin Hawkinsmith. Welcome back into the Blue White Breakdown, where it's all Penn State football some of the time. He's Bob Flanders. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith. We're here to catch you up on what's going on with the Nittany Lions here this week. And I think, Bobby, recruiting takes center stage. Name, image, likeness takes center stage, which, you know, it was kind of the same thing last week, only it was James Franklin <laughs> getting getting a- amped up. Yeah, getting amped up. So now we have an actual deal to talk about with uh, with Nick Singleton. Let's start with the recruiting stuff, though. In a span of uh, less than 24 hours, Penn State's class of 2023 went to 13 commitments and then right back down to 12. We'll start with the most recent, which was the decommitment of Joshua Miller. He's a three-star offensive lineman from Virginia. He was last on Penn State's campus April 9th. He got a Georgia offer on May 9th, Bob, and it certainly seems like it was lights out after that. You kiss, you know, some of these kids, I think the allure of going down south and playing, obviously, for the defending national champions, you know, that that's a lot. I'm, I'm not sure Penn State could do a whole lot about that. Yeah, and I always get fascinated when the heavyweights, and Penn State's, Penn State's not quite a heavyweight yet. They have some lifting to do to become a heavyweight, whether whether they think they are or not. They're, they're, they're working at it, but after the last two years, they're not a heavyweight. I always get fascinated when the perception that this kid's a three-star and all of a sudden the Georgia Bulldogs are, are blowing up his phone and they're reaching out. I, I think you can look at it a couple of different ways. Penn State, again to their credit, has successfully identified a kid that is better than a three-star talent. And they were hoping to get him on the roster before anyone else noticed. Uh, and I, I really do think that Penn State, when it comes to recruiting, I think, Dustin, they're better than most at identifying kids early, maybe on in the process, that might be perceived one way, but they think differently about them and they project him differently. And then the question becomes, well, can they sell that Can they sell that kid on coming to Penn State and convince him to stay before the other big boys get interested? And I think it sounds like that was the case with Miller. Um, I, I just seem to remember him. He was always a kid that was a little bit, I guess the, word, the phrase isn't high maintenance, but he was kind of dragging his feet, I think, when it came to Penn State. And he was supposed to visit, then he didn't visit, then he was supposed to visit, and it didn't work out. And he finally got to campus on April 9th, and it did not. He, it almost felt like, Dustin, he was waiting for maybe a bigger and better deal to come along. It did. But I still think you give Penn State a lot of credit for seeing the potential in this kid before almost anyone else did. I agree with that. There's a lot of good examples of of Penn State offering a guy, um, and I think uh, the the uh, the guy that, that that did commit might be one of those guys too. Uh, we'll talk about him in a moment. Now, if you look back, Penn State, you know, November, December, January went on this run of getting offensive linemen. They had four in this class. They're down to three now. They also got one in 2024. That's when Hunter Norzad also committed. So, I feel like there might have been with that momentum. 
You know, it often happens at one position that a guy starts to feel the pinch a little bit and feels like if he wants a spot or could conceivably want a spot in this class, he better do something now and then kind of still shops around. As much as James Franklin wants to consider this a marriage and you don't visit, you don't communicate with other (laughs) schools or whatever, it just doesn't work that way with every recruit. And clearly Josh Miller was one of those guys. And what can you say when when he gets that Georgia offer and and he jumps on it? And I think most of the recruiting experts kind of saw this coming about a month ago yeah and i love that james always sees it one way hey it's the marriage if you're going to commit to us we want you to stay and the next kid we're going to talk about originally committed somewhere else is that is that not right so you can't have it both ways james which is it like are you gonna do you believe in the sanctity of that recruiting marriage and and you're still going to go after other programs kids no it's i mean all's fair in recruiting yeah you know, like, and, and I think what he says is we try to talk kids out of committing before they commit. And he probably, he probably does that a little bit. Like, are you really sure? Um, and then they say, yeah, it's like, okay, okay. But for commitments, you know, we can have this conversation till the end of time. What does, what does it really mean? Um, and in, in this case, you know, when you do see one position group starting to fill up, you do end up getting, you're at a higher risk for having a guy commit for the wrong reasons. I know that there is a lot of uh, excitement and anticipation about some of these offensive linemen that they still have uh, committed. You know, there's some guys that, you know, are getting the four and five star praise. But again, if if there's one position Penn State needs to just get a bunch of really talented kids in the fold, it's offensive line. You can we've talked about it this year. We've talked about it, you know, the last couple of years. They, They you Penn State cannot have enough four and potential five-star offensive linemen in the fold each year because it's, sometimes it's like throwing darts. You're not Sometimes you're going to miss. They need to cover their backsides because their offensive line and against good teams and good defense, it's been exposed. And, I mean, it's a good point, too. I think what has really been lacking has been the presence of true blue-chip guys in, in numbers, you know, one or two per class. Now, the good news with this is – uh, there are still two pretty legitimate blue chip guys committed in this class. Alex Birchmeyer, who seems really, really solid, and Javen Williams from Wyoming, who also seems really solid. They also have Anthony Donko from uh, from Virginia. So there's a pretty good foundation here. And I would say, you know, they, they haven't really paired up big time guys in a class. The last time I really remember that guys coming in pairs were Rashid Walker and Nana Asidu. Back in 2018, and then he had the heart. Sidu uh, had that heart condition, um, but they haven't really, they haven't really, um, regardless whether interior or offensive tackle prospect, paired guys up, and they still have that right now. I guess, I guess, if you're a Penn State fan, you just hope that no one else defects because it was looking real good, you know, a couple of months ago, and then now they they lose a kid to to Georgia. Uh, I think Penn State needs to keep the rest of these kids and maybe continue adding kids like this because it's it's they're not gonna they're not gonna go very far uh in in the national championship or the big 10 championship race unless they can start to consistently pair up you know blue chip caliber linemen because that's you you just look around and 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 that's how the the game's won at the line of scrimmage it's nice to have the quarterbacks but you know uh, you look at that georgia team even you look at some of the other teams ohio state you look at the wideouts, you look at the uh, you look at the quarterback, but they have a lot of good, talented, large, big guys that are giving that quarterback time to throw. Yeah, I think it's always a good story when you when you maximize a guy who was under the radar, but 
the foundation really is built on maximizing guys who aren't under the radar. You know, I think that's the reality of, of playing up front. Um, I would say, and I, I honestly, I forget his, his, his actual name, but Penn State is in pursuit of a kid from Massachusetts who's a five star whose nickname is Pancake Honcho. Oh, is that the kid? No, I, there was a, I saw, I saw a Michigan State thing about another, there's another big lineman that was eating pancakes. I didn't know. I mean, he's already, that's him. Oh, so he's in a Michigan State uniform and <laughs> that kid is large. So, um, Michigan State reach trying to reach into Massachusetts. Penn State has, I guess, has had some success with Massachusetts. Friar Muth is a Massachusetts kid. It, it's interesting to see that Michigan State, you know, that's not normally uh, a recruiting, uh, that's not part of their recruiting footprint. So this kid must be pretty good. I think Mel Tucker wants everything to be his recruiting <laughs> uh, footprint. What's what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear Pancake Honcho? Uh, it might be you. Because you're, you're, I mean that I mean that as a compliment though, but I I you know there I remember watching you eat breakfast on the Penn State beat on for some road games and and you are I put you, pound for pound I put you up against anybody but Pancake Honcho I think of the I, I always think of the Ohio State uh, offensive lineman Orlando Pace because I think the year that he won all those awards I think in the late mid to late nineties. He had just a, a ridiculous amount of just crushing blocks. I think he was the guy that opened a lot of the holes for Eddie George. So I would say I think about him. Well, I was going to say I think about uh, Talladega Nights whenever uh, John C. <laughs> Riley's talking about Mike Honcho. <laughs> um, by the way, my, my nickname is Sausage, Egg, and Cheese Honcho. So not not quite the same. Uh, let's look at the commitment now. Yazid Haynes. Uh, he's from North Penn. He's a three-star in the consensus rankings, but Rivals seems to really like him. And you look back to uh, May – and he was at a rivals camp and just dominated that camp. He was the, I think, the offensive MVP of that camp. That's when he, he was previously committed to Rutgers. He decommitted then almost, you know, if you look at the timeline, it almost suggested like, uh, maybe I'm too good for Rutgers, right? Like I, I have a, maybe not that, but I have a chance to maybe have my recruitment expand a little bit. If I continue to do what I'm doing here, and that's kind of what happened. He was at Penn State camp earlier this month. He was working a lot. It looked like with Marcus Stokes, who's a Penn State commit in the 23 class. Uh, apparently, he ran a 4.39 at the camp, and and that is usually good enough for for Penn State to to jump in. I remember when Keaton Ellis ran a sub 4.4 at a Penn State camp. So uh, it looks like he's another one of those guys who maybe is going to see his star rise a little bit. But he's he's a nice player. Like he's not under like he's six one one seventy. So it's not like we're talking about a five eight guy running a four three nine. The kid's got a pretty nice little frame on him. Yeah, and he just sounds fast. I'll I'll tell you. And then I I read your story on Penn Live about him. And just looking at his measurables, he's got the speed and he's also got the length. And that's just one thing that James Franklin and his assistant coaches, I mean, in terms of projections, that's what they want. Unless you're going to play inside as a slot corner. Or you're gonna, are you gonna be a slot receiver? You know, when you're talking about wideout or even or corner or wideout or def- defensive back, they're looking for guys with length. This kid has it, and you're right. We just talked about a kid that left Penn State. That's a three star. That's probably not gonna be a three star much longer. It sounds like this kid is a three star at the moment, but he's always wanted to play at Penn State. And if you run sub four four, uh, your days of being a three star are over. 
And, uh, you know, like I, I wrote something for Penn Live on uh, Wednesday just about the way the wide receiver position is now and uh, the um, the reputation it has. And, you know, I think you, you get a guy like this and you figure measurables and speed, he's more than adequate with the length and the size. I don't know about you, but there's just more confidence from my standpoint that Taylor Stubblefield is going to do something with this. You know, for a couple of years there, you just weren't sure. Okay. Like this guy's got some nice tangible stuff, but are they really going to develop him? I feel like, you know, Penn state fans have good reason to believe that these are the types of guys who will develop. Yeah. That's a reason why they went through all those wide receivers coaches in consecutive years. And there's a reason why a couple of those big, big athletic wideouts from New Jersey, just Justin Shorter included, you know, there, there, there are a couple of them. Irv Charles, you know, there, there are there are a couple of them that just – Saeed Blacknall is another one. You can just go down the list. They get to Penn State and, you know, James gushes about them at his introductory letter of intent press conference. And then, you know, most of them have one big game at Penn State and they're never heard from again. So I do think that there is something to the development angle. If you want anyone in charge of developing wideouts, why wouldn't it be a guy like Stubblefield who is on the 2023 – College Hall of Fame ballot. I, it's funny to me, Dustin, that he's bounced around so much when clearly, you know, he knows what it's like to play at a high level and and he's developed at, at Penn State. Sometimes maybe it's just the marriage and it's the fit and the relationship with the head coach. But, you know, when he first came here, I was a little skeptical because he had been everywhere else and he had never stayed longer than a year, uh, you know, a year or two. But it sure seems like everyone talks about Brian Hartline at Ohio State and deservedly so the former Ohio State wide receiver who's running that wide receiver room. I think wide receivers are starting to look at what he's done, and I, I think this is a real feather in Penn State's cap. He's really done a great job since he's been here. Especially if you're like 5'11". You know, like the, the, those are the guys that he views as kind of built in, in his own image where they're not really winning with just like – immense catch radius they're 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 doing the work that it re- that requires with route running and stuff like that to uh to get the job done yeah and and i think uh you know penn state suddenly has a lot of depth there i i, f- I felt my theory on this is that you know when james before james franklin got to penn state or even before he got the vanderbilt he was viewed as kind of a rolling stone who was just going to spend a year or two wherever he was going so he seemed to indicate when they hired taylor stubblefield that you know there were reasons why he spent 13 years at 10 different stops. And it's like, man, that's a lot of reasons for a lot of stops. But, you know, like I was pretty impressed with them talking to him last week. You know, I, I, I feel like they're, that he might get a bad rap or he might be viewed as that guy who's just going to roll on to the next stop. But, um, like he found, he found a good place here at, at Penn State and, you know, his career work. I, I'll be interested to see where things go, but like his career has only been as a wide receivers coach. So he doesn't seem like the guy who necessarily aspires to be a head coach or maybe even an offensive coordinator. If you're going to be one of the top wide receiver coaches in the country, you're certainly going to get handsomely rewarded. And I, you know, there are schools that are better than Penn State right now that I'm sure have taken notice at what he's done. If you can recruit and you can develop, it doesn't matter if you can only really master one position. I mean, as long as you're really good at your job, the heavyweights are going to notice. And I'll be curious to see. Maybe after this year, if Parker Washington has it, takes another step forward and somebody like Keandre Lambert-Smith jumps up and becomes an 800-yard receiver and, and they get, they get um, Mitchell Tinsley to produce, well, not 1,400 yards, but to play at a very high level at Penn State against better competition, 
I wouldn't be surprised if James has a hard time keeping Stubblefield at Penn State just because I think that's going to be enough for the other schools to really take note. He did get a little extra responsibility, and I'm sure uh, a pay bump that comes with being the offensive recruiting coordinator. And I think James will will add titles, and he could be an associate head, whatever it's going to take to get him climbing that ladder. They'll, they'll try to remain competitive there. Uh, Haynes is a nice get, and they've gotten a, a bunch of nice players. And you could see maybe with those three guys you mentioned, three guys with 700-plus yards this year. kind of hope that they do get there because as much as they like their depth, you know that in, in this in today's world, Dustin, if the quarterback's not throwing in, in the three to thirty-five hundred yards, the tight ends are only going to catch so many passes. So they need, if they're not going to have a thousand-yard receiver, they're going to need all three receivers to be really, really balanced. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant. Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Uh, moving on, last subject here, uh, Nick Singleton getting uh, a three-year endorsement deal with West Shore Home, which is right down the road for me. That's about their, their headquarters is about a quarter mile from, from my house. You know, I, I think uh, the, the, a couple of things that just stood out to me about this were that, you know, Singleton's done some other stuff. They're not all they're not all the subject of a press release. So it's not the only thing that that he's done. Just the way that this thing came together just seems like something that Penn State would hope becomes a blueprint where you got a guy who's a Penn State alum who wants to support the program, who sees a benefit, who can can identify, you know, what the kid can do for him and what he can do for the kid. It just seems like the kind of like a, a deal that is going to ultimately survive all this madness and that Penn State hopes to do a lot with a lot of different businesses on a much greater scale. But as I was being kind of told how this came together, it seemed pretty clear that everybody's trying to navigate and figure out what all this stuff is and how they can leverage this and that. I mean, it's the early, early stages and everybody seemed to think that Penn state's behind on this. I think they probably are, but I think the reason they're behind is they're probably looking to do it a little differently than some of the bigger schools who are, I mean, I hate to say it, but Dustin, I mean, it just sounds like it's, it's a one way relationship where they're just giving the kid money to, and, you know, and to, they're not requiring him to do anything. It's or very, very, very little, and it's ridiculous sums. And it's you know, it's bigger schools and it's bigger donors. But Penn State's got some big donors too. You're right, and hopefully, I, I think I, I will say I think West Shore Home picked the right kid uh, to have a, an arrangement. Reading your story, I mean, it, it sounds like it's a really solid kid who just happens to be a legit five star talent who could really it could really show up this year. In the fall, I also I wanted to give you credit, but I was like, did his dad really have to throw him under the bus that he doesn't make his bed? I mean, I just I was like, I was like, <laughs> Adam, like this kid is like, you know, he could be like a national name come the middle of the fall. And I think a lot of Penn State fans are going to read your story about how this came together. His, his dad mentioned the fact he hasn't even ever made his bed. So I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Nick. I, I don't know if that was deliberate. I'm sure Nick's gonna have a little talk with his with dear old dad. But I just thought that was funny. But it was informative. Just 
just everything you talked about, how it came together and the fact that he actually he actually has, I think, a couple other irons in the fire or already has done some things NIL wise. So good on Nick. And it's a multi-year deal. And let's just hopefully it'll be a success story and it'll, it might motivate some other, uh, especially in-state, some some other in-state organizations or businesses and some Penn State alums to see uh, how it's done and how it can be done sustainability of all this is, is important. You know, like I'm, I'm really not sure about buying prospects and how that relationship goes between the head coach and that donor, or, you know, how does all this stuff work out in the end? If the kid fizzles out, is the donor going to feel spurned by that? And, and honestly, they're, they're more like sponsorships or don or glorified donations than they are endorsements or deals or any kind of, you know, expectation that they're going to deliver what they say you're going to deliver on X, Y, and Z. And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a big subject with the NCAA right now because they just kind of unleashed and now they're trying to backpedal and backtrack and try to establish a framework after the toothpaste is out of the tube. So I'm curious to see how the, all that goes. But in the end, I feel like there, all that stuff is going to be minimized um, and you're going to be left with this. And I think the hope for Penn State is they create a lot of relationships with a lot of businesses and a lot of alums where they have some actual, you know, the values match up what the athlete is delivering versus what the, what the business is providing to them. And then, you know, I, I really feel like, Freshmen are really good candidates for this because leaving for the NFL and transferring things like that are, are kind of deal breakers for endorsement contracts. Um, so, you know, Singleton got a three year deal mainly just be, just to avoid the pitfalls of him leaving early for the draft or whatever. If he does come back for a fourth year, maybe they do something else. But, and the other thing with freshmen is for the most part, you know, Nick Singleton, you can sort of pay a market rate for, for him with the upside in mind, but there's still room for West Shore Home to get more value than they're paying for right now. You can still, this, this stock still has room to grow. And so that's why I think young players, you know, are, are more, are going to be more friendly, I think, to, to some businesses. When you started this conversation, I thought you were specifically talking about Jimbo Fisher. And I think you probably were with, you know, just get every player in the class just getting outlandish sums and how you, you know, because you look at a recruiting class and if you bring, if you bring 25 kids in, at least half of them probably are not going to deliver on their promise, whether it's injury or the transfer portal or unhappy parents or grades or whatever, or, you know, I would say close to half of them aren't going to pan out. And if you're going to, if you're going to be like some schools and try and, and and try and wet somebody everyone's appetite with a little of the NIL money, there's going to be. I would think there's going to be some unhappy boosters and donors and sponsors. And I think it's important to make sure that if you if you do it differently, maybe like you do it like Penn State, that they feel like it's they're not necessarily taking a shot in the dark and uh, just to try and help dear old state. I think that I think there is a right way to do it, but. The SEC is just so crazy, Dustin, that maybe some people just just want to be associated with the program and they don't mind. It's like drilling for oil. Not all the wells are going to produce. Maybe that's the secret in the SEC, but it can't be that way at Penn State. I, I do think, you know, that's an interesting story to follow is investments that don't pay off. But I think people with deep enough pockets, they don't necessarily that's not going to deter them from doing it again. Put it that way. 
picture this scenario, and I'm just going to use Texas A&M and Alabama because they've been out there already. But you you pay a kid, let's say three million dollars, to get him to Texas A&M. He's a quarterback. After one year, he's blocked in the depth chart. He transfers to Alabama. <laughs> How are you, as a donor, going to feel about the head coach not protecting your your investment? How are you going to feel? I mean, it, it's it has a chance to get really really messy. Whenever, whenever things are working this way, and it's not really how it was supposed to be. Like when you when you see nil money, it's a much broader umbrella than it probably should be at at this point. It's not you're not paying for a kid's name, image, and likeness for products and stuff like that. You're just paying to get him there. And what does that mean in, in the grand scheme of things? You're right. The bigger the nil deal for a, a first year player who's a perceived five star. I think the bigger disappointment if the kid does not, you know, because the coach ultimately probably thinks a little bit about that, but not a lot. He, he All he wants to do is win. And if, if there's another kid that is not as good, he's going to play him or there's, an, you know, they go to the transfer, transfer portal, get somebody else. But yeah, ultimately, there's going to be some hard feelings over this. And I look forward to some of the stories that are going to come out because they're going to be some fascinating reading. But I think that Jimbo Fisher, he strikes me as a guy that just really doesn't care about anything but winning. So let the chips fall where they may. And I hope I hope some of the people in the Texas A&M uh, family are smart enough to recognize that because I don't think James is quite like that. Yeah, I, th- I, I like to think uh, that he um, is a little bit more tactical and strategic and, and a little bit more balanced in the way that he views building a football team and and. uh helping athletes develop in, in some way. I, and I think there's evidence of that. That's not just a company line. That's uh, I think Penn State really does kind of – and I think to that point, Penn State would also like to believe that the kids that they want and the kids that they've always wanted aren't maybe going to be the ones who care so much about NIL money. We're going to find out. We are going to find out. And, and, you know, to your point, like as the market has heated up, it's been fun to follow. But as the market adjusts in a year or two, that too is going to be fun to follow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that James is on the right side of it now. He's always been a big picture guy and maybe in a funny way, Dustin, just, just, uh, I'm friends with a lot of Penn State fans that are a little bit older. And I don't think they really mind right now that Penn State is, is, is not engaging in bidding wars. They're, a lot of the older fan, uh, fans, I think they want to see the brakes pumped a little bit on NIL. I think there's 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 two ways to look at it. Like a kid, you know, who's gonna is gonna if he plays well at Penn State, he deserves all the attention and all the accolades and all the financial incentives he deserves. But I think to get money before you've ever done anything at Penn State, it does I think rub some of the older alums the wrong way. And I think maybe. I think Franklin's got a lot of the fan base on his side right now. And if it turns out he was right all along and there's some over, there's some corrections to the market and people start to pull back. I mean, I think, I think that'll be a feather in his cap. I think that's inevitable. So, and and he's got, he's got the kind of deal where he can be patient and, and slow play this a little bit more and, and make, I think it's inevitable that this thing's going to settle down a little bit. And it just seems like they're committed to um, the, the long term on, on name, image and likeness, but good for Nick Singleton. He also got a Jeep Cherokee. 
So, uh, yeah, so he, he's doing some, some good things. And, um, I, I think this will be a successful thing and something that they'll want to be the blueprint. Uh, BJ Worzen, who, uh, is the CEO of West Shore Home, kind of said, I asked him about this as a Penn State alum. Do you feel obligated or a sense of responsibility to get involved in something like this, um, to support in this way and, and try to make sure that Penn State remains competitive? And he said, absolutely. Yeah. I think James is hoping that others feel the same way. And just real quick, you talked about the future. Eventually, one of these young quarterbacks is going to emerge. I think Sean Clifford turns – I know we keep talking. I believe he turns 24 next month, and this is this is it. But if if and when – I shouldn't say if. When one of these young quarterbacks emerge to become the guy, especially if it's Drew Aller. I'm not saying it will be. I think Pensett legitimately likes the other two as well. I think that is going to be another interesting NIL scenario to follow because – you would think it will happen in 20. It's going to have to happen in 2023. And I would say the assumption is that whoever that guy is, is going to have a minimum of two, possibly three years at Penn State. And his NIL opportunities, I think, are going to get very, very interesting. I mean, if you're the face of the franchise, if you came from five-star roots, if you're somebody that, that fans are, have been clamoring for, which fans will be clamoring for him, it all sets up to, um, to make him valuable if he starts to back up. The, that that expectation and hype. So quarterback will be in a whole different on a whole different level. We just haven't obviously haven't been through a young rising star at that position because Sean Clifford's uh, almost as old as you. What did he graduate a year after you from from high school? <laughs> yeah, I graduated Scranton in '86. So yeah, he's just I'm only like a couple years older than him. So <laughs> we're almost we're almost in the same fraternity. But um, I do think that that's going to be the the first really really interesting and you and I would imagine you will see some Penn State alum that are a little hesitant right now. They might want to jump into the pool over one of the quarterbacks, and then I know that they will never will never know what the amount is. But I, I do think that when Penn State finally gets a quarterback that everyone's on board with at a young age, I think then you're going to see some real fascinating stuff happen coming out of State College. There you go. Some real fascinating stuff being discussed on this episode of the Blue White Breakdown. As always, check them all out. Every Blue White Breakdown podcast, anywhere podcasts can be found. Check out Bob's work, my work at penlive.com slash Penn State Football. Make sure you tune in next time to the Blue White Breakdown. We'll see you then. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live.